0: Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for
1: joining me wherever you might be today, whether in your car, elsewhere on your mobile device listening with family or friends, or perhaps catching the podcast. Well, friends, we're on the precipice of the new year, aren't we? I suspect many of us are happy to say goodbye to 2020. It's certainly been a year to remember, hasn't it? I'd like to begin today's program with a poem that once flowed from the pen of author Francis Ridley Havergal, who lived in the early to late 1800s. He wrote, Another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be, in working or in waiting, another year with thee. Another year of progress, another year of praise, another year of proving thy presence all the days, another year of service or witness for thy love, another year of training for holier work above, Another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be. On earth or else in heaven, another year for thee. Friends, we devoted 2020's Advent Christmas season programs to zooming in on those first recipients of the Christmas message. Those who were the first to respond to something new that was brewing on planet Earth. Today, in light of the fast-approaching New Year 2021, I'd like us to take a brief look back at how some other first recipients responded to new ideas or new inventions in previous centuries. So here are 10 examples of how people responded. You may find yourself chuckling a bit here, and that's okay, because I certainly did. First, in 1797, the first successful cast iron plow was invented in the United States. It was rejected by New Jersey farmers who suspected that cast iron would poison the land and stimulate the growth of weeds. Second, again in the United States, one eloquent authority sometime before 1830 announced that the introduction of the railroad would require the building of many insane asylums. He contended that people would be driven mad from terror at the sight of locomotives rushing across the country. Third, sometime after that, in Germany, so-called experts proved that if trains ran at the frightful speed of 15 miles per hour, blood would spurt from passengers' noses, and in addition, passengers would suffocate when going through tunnels. Fourth, Another interesting tidbit regarding trains was that Commodore Vanderbilt, who lived in the 1800s and was an American business magnate earning his wealth in railroads and shipping, dismissed George Westinghouse Jr. and his new air brakes for trains, stating, and I quote, I have no time to waste on fools, end quote. Fifth, the editor of the Springfield, Massachusetts Republican newspaper refused to ride in an early automobile, claiming that it was incompatible with the dignity of his position. Sixth, who remembers what Robert Fulton was famous for? Well, if you guessed he was the inventor of the first commercial steamboat, you'd be right. That occurred in 1807 and friends those who initially loaned fulton money for his steamboat project stipulated that their names be withheld for fear of ridicule were it found out that they in their own words supported something so foolhardedly Seventh, there was a time when people insisted that iron ships would not float. In their minds, iron ships would damage more easily than wooden ones when grounding, and it would be difficult to preserve the iron bottoms from rusting. In addition, the iron would deflect the compass. Eighth, in 1881, when the New York YWCA announced that typing lessons would be made available to women, Vigorous protests were made on the grounds that the female Constitution would break down under the strain. Ninth, sometime prior to the invention of the telephone in 1876, Joshua Coppersmith was arrested in Boston for attempting to extort funds from ignorant and superstitious people by exhibiting a device which he said, would convey the human voice any distance over metallic wires. (laughs) Ha! A primary objection to his actions was reported in these words. All well-informed people know that it is impossible to transmit the human voice over a wire. And finally, tenth, you old movie buffs will love this one. Gary Cooper's famous last words in 1939 were... "'Gone with the Wind' is going to be the biggest flop in Hollywood history. I'm just glad it'll be Clark Gable who's falling flat on his face, and not me!' Well, friends, in our December Christmas series, part of the challenge was to put on first century sandals and observe the original recipients of the Christmas message and imagine how we might respond to something new that was doing in the lives of people He chose to participate in the drama that we've come to know as Christmas. The other part of the challenge was extracting from the Christmas drama lessons that we could bring forward in time and apply to our lives in the here and now, some 2,000 years forward of that first Christmas event. Well, it sure seems, friends, that we humans are prone to skepticism, For some reason, openness to new ideas or new things is difficult for many of us, and it appears that the older we get, the less risks we are willing to take. Back in the 1970s, while I was still living in New Jersey, my wife and I listened to a lecture by Christian sociologist Anthony Campolo. He had polled senior-aged Christians, and one key question he asked them all was, If you had your life to do over again, what would you do differently? While the seniors responded with more than one answer, every response included this answer, I would take more risks for God. You know, friends, it'll soon be 2021 and the start of a whole new year. The first thing I'd like to ask us all is, what does God have in store for us personally in 2021? In other words, how will each of our lives individually Fit into God's plan for 2021? Will we be called to stay the course and be faithful to the ministry or ministries we're involved in right now? Or might the Lord be expanding our spiritual horizons and opening a new door or doors for us to walk through? And how about our relationships to the various people in our spheres of influence? How about our families or relatives? What about our friends? Our neighbors, our co-workers, our acquaintances, or how about strangers? Friends, will 2021 be a year that we become more bold with our faith and our witness for Christ? What about our commitment to read and study God's word? Will that commitment be deepened? Friends, the second thing I'd like to ask us all is, particularly if we're part of a local body of believers, either gathering in a church building, a home, a school, or even a restaurant or coffee shop, is what does God have in store for us collectively in 2021? Since Christ is the head of the church, what changes might he be nudging us to make, to operate more effectively, to be more outreach-oriented, to make disciples as the Great Commission directs us to do? In what way does Jesus Christ want us to become more capable and effective disciples and students of his word Friends, do you get the feeling that something new is brewing in our country, in our world? Will 2021 be the year to attempt new and greater things for God, to take more risks for God? Is the Spirit of God stirring you up to be open to new things and make yourself available to serve the Lord in new ways? Well, friends, I can't think of a better scripture text than Psalm 90, particularly verses 1 and 2 and 10 through 12. Psalm 90 is a much-loved psalm and a favorite of many. I'd like to encourage you to read through the entire psalm, maybe even in the next couple of days as a reading for the new year. Well, it readily becomes evident that Psalm 90 sets up a contrast a contrast between the brevity and uncertainty of human life with the eternal existence and faithfulness of God. My take, friends, is that the main theme is condensed, and the lesson is succinctly stated in verse 12, but I intend to share with you verses 1 and 2, and verses 10 through 12. Psalm 90's superscription informs us that it's a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Some English Bibles have subheadings, one being God's eternity and the brevity of human life, another, God's eternity, and man's transitoriness. Well, here are those four verses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born and you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, Eighty years, yet their pride is only trouble and tragedy, for it quickly passes and we disappear. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury, according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Now, friends, Moses' reflection on the brevity of human life as contrasted with the eternality of God motivates us to extract the intended lesson, number our days. But we might ask, what exactly does that mean, number our days? Well, let me tell you, this is an interesting phrase. If we were to convert this phrase into modern lingo, we could easily communicate the underlying idea behind this phrase with these words. Teach us to realize that our days are numbered. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we won't take the time to dig below the surface to mine the depths of what is being said here. And if we don't do that, we won't see that this verse is both an exhortation and an admonition. So, friends, we're being challenged to take a sober look at our future, both immediate and eternal. In verse 12, our English translations have present or even gain. Interestingly, the Hebrew word here has a broad range of meanings, some being bring in, present, get, give, arrive with, attain to, and gain. It happens to carry with it both senses of getting or gaining and bringing, presenting, or arriving with. I wonder, friends, if I wouldn't be too far out of line to suggest a way to translate that verse might be, so teach us to number our days that we may ring in the new year with a heart of wisdom that we present to you well we can certainly gain a greater appreciation for the value of what is meant behind these words of psalm 90:12 by consulting a few other english translations such as teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom or how about So teach us to count our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, our English translations make a valiant attempt to communicate what is actually being said by the Hebrew, but they still fall short a bit one way to help us grasp what is intended here what is behind this phrase is for me to share with you a saying i came across on a plaque i saw in an antique store i was actually amazed how it epitomized psalm 90:12 it so happened that my wife and i were browsing around in an antique store And I happened to walk through a section with all sorts of plaques and all sorts of sayings on them, either written or painted. Naturally, one jumped out at me. It said, don't count the days, make the days count. Isn't that cool? I'm going to repeat that. Don't count the days, make the days count. Friends, that is precisely what Psalm 90.12 is trying to tell us. I've said in the past, during sermons or teachings, that medical science has helped to add years to our life. But I truly believe that the Lord wants to add life to our years. Here in Psalm 90, Moses is telling us that sin has shortened our lifespan. He's attempting to shift our focus from viewing our time on earth in terms of duration to viewing our time on earth in terms of dimension. The word that the New Testament writers use to describe the life that Christ has now given us is zoe. It refers to eternal life. But not just life with duration, you know, everlasting life but life with dimension, you know, life with quality and value and meaning that we can live now. Friends, I've taught on this word before. It's where we get our English word zoology. It refers to a principle of life, not just mere existence, like the word biology. New Testament writers distinguish between biology, bios, life, and zoe life. God has Zoe life. Jesus possessed Zoe life. We, on the other hand, are alienated from Zoe life as a consequence of the fall and sin. But the great thing, friends, is that we can become partakers of this Zoe life through faith in Jesus Christ. In actuality, it's the only way to get Zoe life. It must be imparted to us through our connection or union with Jesus Christ. Someone once said, what we are is God's gift to us. What we make of ourselves is our gift to God. Well, the challenging question that stands before us since we're at the crossroads of the new year is, what will we present to God in 2021? Will we ring in the new year with a heart of wisdom and in so doing present that to God? Friends, on the surface, that may appear to be a simple question, but it has profound ramifications, doesn't it? This little word, so, that kicks off verse 12 is actually quite a word with powerful implications. Its broad range of meanings include thus, hence, accordingly. In that case, even therefore. Listen to how verse 12 comes alive, just slipping in a few of these alternate choices. In that case, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Accordingly, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Or, therefore, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Friends, being on the threshold of a new year means the possibility of new chances, new relationships, new challenges, new goals, new paths to travel, new opportunities, new understandings, new accomplishments, even new affections. Friends, will we take what opportunities God presents to us and just throw them back in his face because we like or prefer the status quo? In other words, because we like things just the way they are? Will the reputation that we create for ourselves be that we don't want to be bothered with new challenges, new opportunities? Or will we welcome the opportunities that God presents to us and in the power of the Holy Spirit join forces with other believers and together present ourselves to God and place ourselves on his altar as Romans twelve one and 2 direct us? Listen carefully to these two power-packed verses. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God Did you catch that last phrase? Do we want to prove what the will of God is? That which is good, acceptable, and perfect in 2021? This certainly is my hope, friends, for myself as well as for all of you listening to me today. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, I can see that we're nearing the end of today's program, and my hope is that we can all take Romans 12, 1 and 2 to heart as we plunge into a new year, a new year full of uncertainties, perhaps, yet a new year also full of hope as we walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. What can we present to God in this new year? And will we prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect? I always love quoting Mark Twain's famous statement, The only person who likes change is a wet baby. Friends, change is what the Christ life is all about. The Romans 12 passage we just read has the word transformed in it. Transformation is characterized by change. In Matthew eighteen three, Jesus latches on to a child and holds him up before his disciples and says to them, Truly I say to you, unless you change and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Parents are always concerned that their children grow up and become adults. But Jesus is always throwing curveballs, isn't he? And reminding us that the kingdom of heaven is a topsy-turvy kingdom, an upside-down kingdom. Up is down and down is up. Jesus is not telling adults to become childish, but childlike. We adults easily become set in our ways, our old ways, don't we? But friends, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is not into same old, same old. Jesus wants us to change and be on the lookout for something new. The word change that Jesus uses in Matthew 18.3 is a cool word. It means to switch direction or change direction, turn around and go the other way. Our modern expression about face perfectly demonstrates the gist of this word. Earlier, I quoted a plaque that stood out for me. Don't count the days. Make the days count. So, friends, make the new days of 2021 count for something. Make them count for God. Be willing to make changes that will count for God. Friends, today's broadcast will close out with an email where you may write me and share your feedback on today's program or any previous program you may have listened to recently. I'd love to hear how these programs are impacting you or enlightening you. A listener recently rode in and shared their feedback about one of the Advent Christmas installments with these encouraging words, as always a wonderful message for Advent. You make the Bible come alive. Thank you so much for your positive reinforcement in that December series. Remember, friends, all program podcasts of A Word from the Word are freely accessible at faithtalk1360.com as well as on Spotify Podcast and Apple Podcast. And friends, I'm happy to report that come January, A Word from the Word will be broadcast on Christian Internet Radio via christianbody.net. Friends, if a word from the word is blessing you and illuminating the word of God for you, please also consider becoming a support team member. I'd be truly grateful. It's listeners like you that help keep this program on the air. Just ask me for the details. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom. With a word from the Word.
0: Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the Word at minister.com. That's a word from the Word at minister.com.